0: The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. If you're asking yourself what that means exactly, let me tell you. The Alberta Podcast Network is a collection of outstanding podcasts created in Alberta for audiences all over the world, and the whole thing is underwritten by ATB Financial. The network is still in its infancy, but is growing and currently counts 16 podcasts among its members, with an additional four affiliated organizations and podcasts. To find out more about the mission of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. And to learn more about one of my favourite Alberta Podcast Network shows, listen through to the end of the episode. Canadians are no strangers to travel. Most of us aren't even from here, not originally. And we certainly do love to get away. In 2016 alone, some 12 million Canadians went overseas, an increase of 3.7% from the previous year. In fact, and I'm quoting from Statistics Canada directly here, the number of Canadians traveling overseas has risen every year since 1992, except in 2002, the year following the September 11th terrorist attacks. Unlike travel to the United States that peaks in the summer months of July and August, the numbers of Canadians traveling overseas as counted by the date they return to Canada traditionally peaks in the winter months of January and March, end quote. And though this show has typically covered the topic of Canadians living abroad, that is, people who have established themselves in somewhat permanent fashion in foreign lands, this episode, part one of two, is going to be a little different. Join me as we meet a Canadian family who hit the big pause button on their lives at home to go on a six-month adventure on the expats. Welcome to the expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Fellow Edmontonians Jocelyn and Mike saved up over a period of years in order to afford to uproot their family and travel around Central and South America for half a year. An enviable experience for sure, and we're going to talk about that. But before we dive into how to prepare for such a trip in the first part of our two-part show, we should find out a bit about how these two parents of two first met.
1: Wait, are we going to tell the story that we tell our kids or the real story?
0: (laughs) You're going to tell the story that you're okay with the internet hearing.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, Both of us were having a fantastic time at the Starlight Room. And uh, worlds collided. And uh, we should have met probably five or ten years before that. Oh. We had all sorts of potential know collisions earlier on in our life you know gigs that we'd both been to and people you know common friends that we had and it just
0: uh, but it just was the right time and, and right place and and obviously things worked out you're married now yes and you have children how long have you been married
1: <laughs> <laughs> so nine years coming up so we met on New Year's Eve and we actually got married on New Year's Eve
0: Wow, that's really cool.
1: We did not have any kids on New Year's Eve, though.
0: Interesting. <laughs> and we're not going to talk about conception, because that would be no. weird. Now, now you've got two children. What are their names, and how old are they? Uh, Charlotte is uh, seven, and uh, she's going into grade two. And Frances is uh, turning six, going into grade one. Wow. So, not, not terribly old. They're still sort of elementary school-aged how difficult was, first of all, no, how did you arrive at this decision that you wanted to spend half a year of your life traveling abroad?
1: Well, it, it turned out that both of our works have an opportunity for a deferred salary. And when we found out that both of us could potentially defer our salary and get a paid leave, we thought that it might be nice to do it together. And so Mike took a four for five where he had four years of pay stretched over five years. So for the first four years, 20% of his salary was taken off his, his paycheck and then put in a pot and then was paid out to us for that year. And then at my work, I was able to do a two for six. So I had two years of pay stretched over two and a half years, which allowed me to have a six month leave.
0: Wow, that's really great. That makes the flexibility no problem. So yeah. mon- money wasn't a question. Right. So we
2: were we, we were accustomed to, to being on a reduced salary, um, and we've been like that for as long as we can remember at this point. But, uh, yeah, so it it, uh, it it was a
0: seamless transition in terms of finances. See, because I, I would assume that a lot of people might think it would be nice to travel for six months or a year and not plan it, but you guys clearly thought ahead.
1: Well sort of. We signed up for the program without having any idea of where we wanted to go or what we wanted to do, just knowing that we wanted to go somewhere for six months. And we talked about working somewhere or maybe doing one of the ideas we had was go doing beekeeping in New Zealand for a little while. And um, in the course of those conversations, we decided that we wanted to see as many countries as we could in about six months. And In deciding where to go, we wanted to pick somewhere where we'd only have to deal with one or two language barriers instead of multiple barriers. And Mike and I have both traveled quite a bit and we wanted to go somewhere where neither one of us had ever been. So um, Mike has done a lot of Europe. I had done quite a bit of Southeast Asia. And so we thought it would be neat to go somewhere completely new to us. And so we settled on Central and South America and chose only Spanish-speaking countries to visit so that we would focus on learning Spanish and learning about Latin American culture. And off we went.
0: Now, you mentioned that you, uh, you have this beekeeping hobby. You guys are hobby farmers. How did that factor into the decision and the process to to undertake this experience?
1: Well, it's easy enough to move our hives. And so what we did is we found a family that lived nearby that wanted to get into beekeeping, and they took a course that is required by the City of Edmonton and went through with the licensing procedures. And as soon as they got their license, then we moved our hives over there and knew that they were going to be our babysitters.
0: You didn't actually say that. I did. did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's terrible. No, no, it's great. I'm just kidding. The B puns are endless. So you make this decision. You decide Spanish-speaking countries. Yes. Are there any concerns as you're going through the process as to how you're going to ensure your kids don't fall behind at school, for example? Is that a consideration? Um, Both of us are certified teachers. Ah, perfect. So that
2: uh, w- we knew we had that kind of covered. Um, both of our children are in French immersion as well, and so we um, we ended up having to cover that ourselves. Um, when we uh, when we left, we had enrolled our kids in uh, online school through Edmonton Public Schools, and um, they were the, my daughter, anyways, grade one, was registered in language arts and math, and then we did the French component on our own. And uh,
0: and then the rest took care of itself, science and social and all those things. Yeah, I imagine social studies is like you were literally living a social studies class for six months. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Now, tell me about the process of, of preparing physically your home because you rented it out to people. Did you Did you leave all your stuff behind?
1: We rented the top floor of our house, and so we packed all of our personal belongings into it, at first, orderly boxes, and then afterwards, chaos, but we, we packed it all into a room in the basement, and the end product looked like the beginning of an episode of Hoarders, if you can imagine <laughs> boxes going to the ceiling and only a small pathway <laughs> through them, and so the idea was the <laughs> renters would have the main floor of our bungalow, and then the room in the basement would be filled to the brim with all of our crap.
2: Nice. We also, uh, we listed the house on a few different websites. Um, our, our, our ideal tenant was someone who needed a temporary lo- uh, temporary accommodation with, with furnishings. We didn't want to move all of our furniture downstairs. We didn't, we wouldn't have actually had room. Um, and ideally a family was, was kind of our, our, our ideal. And the first person that responded to our ad was exactly that. Um, it was uh, another expat, actually, that was oh. moving back from Indonesia. Cool. And uh, his wife, uh, he had met his wife in Indonesia and was um, moving back. And she didn't have her permanent residence yet, so she was in on a visitor's visa. And uh, so they needed a place to kind of land, get their, uh, get their things sorted out, and... Um, and uh, they needed about six months in a place that had furnishings and uh, was close to playgrounds and parks, so. It, feel, it feels almost karmic. It did, yeah. It was, uh, it was remarkable and, and it was such a, a relief um, to find someone that was you know, gonna look after our place. Cause it, it's our home, right? It's not just a rental apartment that we're, we're, we're renting out.
1: They actually left our place in better condition <laughs> than it was before. <laughs> They replaced things we had broken.
0: (laughs) That's great. (laughs) The ideal tenants. I
1: know. They were amazing.
0: How long was the process from when you posted the ad to when you had someone ready to move in?
1: Well, we didn't want to post the ad too soon because people aren't usually looking more than a month or two in advance. So we posted the ad, I think, in late October for hoping we were hoping to find someone for January 1st Mm -hmm. and so we were contacted pretty quickly by this tenant and uh, we had other inquiries but after we met him we knew that he was the, the right choice for us and certainly proved to be.
0: We're going to take just a quick break so I can tell you a bit more about ATB Financial. Now full disclosure I was recently hired at ATB and one of the big reasons I wanted a job at ATB is because of all the ways They support Albertans. Last week was Pride in Calgary, and ATB was the title sponsor of the festival, and I'm so proud to work for a company that supports LGBTQ communities across the province. Part of that support means sponsoring Camp Firefly and Firefly in Schools, amazing programs that help LGBTQ youth across the province, and in fact, across Canada. To learn more about how ATB supports Albertans and is more than just a bank, visit atb.com listen. And now, on with the show. Now, let's talk about the luggage situation. Because <laughs> when you think about traveling, when I think about traveling for six months, I think, how much stuff do I need to bring? How many wash cycles do I expect to do every week? And how many clothes am I going to buy while I'm abroad? So what was the plan? What was the strategy?
1: Many hours <laughs> of discussions. <laughs> and drawings <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, we... we uh,
2: because our, our kids are little, we were carrying all of the stuff. Oh, my God. So we had to carry their stuff and our stuff. Um, so... And them sometimes, <laughs> too. Right. But really, it comes down to a week. You know, you need a week's worth of clothing. You need maybe a little bit more than a week's worth of underwear, just just to be sure.
1: Ten. You, you never know, right? You <coughs> never exactly, know what's going to exactly.
2: happen. Uh, we brought, we did bring laundry soap. You know, kind of uh, sink laundry soap that we could uh, do laundry in the sink, which we used once or twice. Um, and we read a lot of kind of travel websites to or I it. Anyways, I don't know about you. Um, I'm the I'm the I'm the the research.
0: You're the planner component. Yeah. Um, planning, maybe not, but researching, yes. So you know what you're walking into. Jocelyn knows what you're walking into it with. Right. Right? Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Great. Um, we
2: bought long, uh, Sorry, uh, luggage cubes. Okay. Which Best
1: uh, purchase we made on the trip by far. So
0: how do those work exactly?
2: Um, kind of each had two cubes. The kids had had two between the two of them because their clothing is smaller. Um, so one for me was my shorts a couple pairs of pants, um, four or five t-shirts. The other was underwear and socks. Wow. And it just allowed you to compartmentalize all of your clothing and keep it organized so that if you need to grab something from a full suitcase, you know which color is your cube and you grab it.
1: Okay. And so the number of suitcases, we one of the things we were concerned about is we needed to be able to carry our luggage and potentially one or both children at the same time. And so what we did is we got a backpack and a big luggage that we ended up naming El Jefe, which (laughs) in Spanish means the boss. (laughs) Uh, It was also quite hefty. So we thought the the English-Spanish pun worked well for El Jefe. I love it. Yeah. And so El Jefe carried most of our school books and our clothing. And then the backpack carried other things, um, sometimes dirty clothing, but um, mostly our our day-to-day things. So we had some... um, cutlery that we brought with us and our camera gear and um the kids lego bin which we can get to about
0: oh yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: important (laughs) things to bring this is
0: all sounding very heavy to me
1: well, so the El Hefe—that was the other, yeah, that was that was the other, other complication, right? It was, was weight flights. limits. <laughs> so El Jefe um, was about twenty-three kilos. Okay. And then the backpack was, depending on how much food we had with us, between sixteen and twenty kilos. So we could we could get it down to sixteen kilos, which is, uh, on some budget airlines, the, the limit, unless you want to pay over overweight charges. And quite
0: a bit of overweight charges, I would think. Uh, yeah. You, more or less, depending
1: yeah. on where. But, uh, so yeah, so we had one big suitcase, one backpack, and then the kids had their little backpacks that had their blankets, some of their stuffies, um, their school um, pencils and pens, um, and those and a water bottle, those sorts of things.
0: Let's talk about the Lego. Yeah. That, was this a must-have item that you negotiated with the kids? We basically just, we just, um,
2: that's that's what they play with. That's their primary toy um, in everyday life. And so it was just natural for us to bring um, a bag of Lego that uh, could be a car. It could be, you know, a house. It could be, you know, these characters, all the minifigs, right? They, they, they can be the, the permutations of what you can create with um, even just the, the minifigs. You know, the, I'm sure they've, they've been rearranged hundreds of times. Yeah. You know, we've got, we've got friends who have a Lego set that, you know, they keep in a box that is with the instructions and has, you know, is, is intended to be rebuilt at one time, you know, at, at another time. But um, ours is total chaos. You know, <laughs> the, the, the kids build it or I build it when they were young um, the first time and then within an hour it was disassembled and reconfigured into something else. So, so the Lego is, was a, a natural fit for us.
1: They actually made these little triangles that they called droids. And there was this one droid that they named Bedito and another one that they named William. And Bedito and William came with us all through Central and South America (laughs) and had all sorts of adventures.
0: That's fantastic. And, you know, I think that, or I assume, I don't have children myself, but I assume that a lot of parents would rely on electronic devices to carry the weight of entertaining their children on a long trip like that. I, I just think it's really interesting that you guys... you you realize Lego's the thing they play with the most. Was it a deliberate choice not to bring, like, two iPads or whatever?
1: Absolutely. We're a little strict on the kids' screen time, partly because we don't watch a lot of TV. We don't actually have a TV in our house, and we try and limit what, what the kids watch, and we really want them to do imaginative play. And so in choosing to have Lego instead of dual iPads, that was because we didn't want them reliant on electronic for their entertainment. Now, with that said, our iPad also saw daily use, but mostly because of audiobooks. So we didn't have room for real books, and so we relied really heavily on the uh, Edmonton Public Library. We used their Overdrive app, um, and we also used another app that Mike has access to through his teaching called Epic. And so we listened to... well, well. We estimate the kids listen to about 100 audiobooks in the seven months that we were gone, um, all ranging between two and five hours. So they listen to a lot of books.
0: That's fantastic. I I can't even read like five books (laughs) in a year. Uh, So your children are brilliant young minds. It also gave us space. Um, It meant we didn't
2: have to be engaged with them all the time. If we were on a three-hour bus ride, we would sit them either beside each other or one behind the other have a headphone splitter, plug in the iPad and put on an audiobook, and they would just sit and relax and enjoy, you know, look out the window and, and uh, enjoy the story and give us some space.
1: It was also a matter of security, especially on the long bus rides in the smaller places that we were at. We didn't want to flash all these electronics, so we usually kept them quite quiet quietly sort of tucked in our bags and so having a headphone splitter the kids can have their headphones and that's visible but you don't have to have this big flashy ipad shown to everyone on the bus
0: yeah i mean that makes a lot of sense now the you know your children are school aged how much pre- like mental preparation did you have to take them through for the journey because i you know kids are highly adaptable so what, what did you do to prepare them
1: so you, you said, what did we have to do? It's more, we, we didn't really do anything. <laughs> we, we
0: talked a lot about our big
2: trip. And, you know, we, but th- there's only so much you can prepare them for. Like, they they don't, they didn't have a conception of w- what this would mean of, you know, leaving home for seven, even us, we, even we had a hard time really con- um, conceiving what we were doing and what it would mean and how it would affect us. And so... Our preparation for the kids really was was just getting them ready that they weren't going to see their friends for seven months and that they weren't going to have the same bed and they weren't going to be at school and and all those things.
0: Did did the not seeing their friends worry them at all or were they kind of like yeah whatever mom and dad let's just get on this plane? They weren't
2: too worried before we left. Um, it, it it happened more on the trip. Um, you know there there was there were there were times when. Um, one of them would would be crying for their friend, or you know would just all of a sudden get quite sad. That, you know they couldn't see their friends um, or their dog. I think that was my my son's biggest Aww. you know heartache was was missing the dog. But uh, we did have you know Skype dates with the, with their friends. Um, they sent postcards, um, and in fact, all told, we saw, sent about a hundred postcards. Wow over the
0: the trip that's awesome now and i know that uh i believe charlotte had a birthday yes while you were traveling and you had you created a facebook group called good so far which is really just a brilliant title um and you you sort of put a call out to people to send charlotte birthday messages was it was it difficult for her to be away from home and her friends for her birthday
1: i think leading up to the the birthday it was but then on, on her birthday, we really worked hard to make it a special day. And so I, I think that in the end, she felt like it was still a good birthday. And all the video greetings from her friends, I think we got close to 20 from all of her little friends and families and aunties and uncles. And it really helped her feel like she was loved and appreciated, even though it was just the exclusive party of four. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I can't think of a better birthday gift than seeing a lot of Central and and South America. I'm I'm sure she'll appreciate it later if she doesn't already. Well, you know,
1: she's really jazzed to go into grade three because they study Peru. And she already has her speech ready for it.
0: (laughs) She's an expert. Yeah, yeah. It's great. That's going to be an amazing show-and-tell presentation. Yeah. That concludes part one of my discussion with Jocelyn and Mike on this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself and let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. Let me tell you about one of the member podcasts, That's So Maven. Hosted by entrepreneur Andrea Bessa, That's So Maven is a show made by, about, and for women entrepreneurs. In each episode, Andrea speaks with a guest about their experiences in business, the highs and the lows of running a company, all from a woman's perspective. I highly recommend you give That's So Maven a listen, not only for its conversational style, but also for the tips and tricks that Andrea's guests share with her. Visit yegmavens.com or subscribe to That's So Maven wherever you get your podcasts. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart, and if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to The Expats wherever you download your podcasts, and make sure you leave us a review. That would help us out a lot. You can hear The Expats and other great shows on the fantastic gradio.ca, and you can follow and like us on both Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Expats Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again with part two of our story in a couple of weeks.